0: announcements briefly. I know whenever you say announcements, everybody turns you off. I know, and your mind goes somewhere, teen. I'm going to be starting a new series on love, okay? Uh, And uh, probably the overall theme or title will be this, Love is a Choice. Love is a Choice. But this week is more of just an introduction, and we're going to be Studying 1 Corinthians 13, I know that's probably a familiar passage, it's referred to as the love chapter in the Bible, alright, but we want to really break this down in the, the weeks, maybe even possibly months to come, because this is so important in the life of a Christian. And so we're going to be looking and studying about love, and truly let this thought sink in, love is a choice. You guys got that? That's something we're going to be seeing throughout this. When we start really getting into this chapter, you're going to find out, wow, uh, forgive me here, but love is not just a feeling. It's not just a warm fuzzy. But let me just tell you something. Do you think it was a warm fuzzy that put Jesus on the cross? Do you think it was a warm fuzzy that kept Jesus on the cross? When the Bible says that he could have called 12 legions of angels to come and to deliver him, it wasn't warm fuzzies up there. Are you with me? Uh, it, was, it was love. He chose to love us. He chose to love us. The Bible says even though we were sinners, he chose to love us and even die for us. And so this subject of love is so important. And so important. And Paul is writing in this letter of the Corinthians. He's writing, and as he's kind of finishing up this letter to this church, he really drives home, takes an entire chapter, and he speaks about the importance of love. And so notice the scripture this morning. It's the very last verse of chapter 12. And then we're going to just look at the first few verses. We're not even really going to get much into The chapter today. This is again kind of an introduction to this series. But what I want you to understand is remember, when you're reading these letters, when you're reading their chapter and verse, can I tell you the chapter and verse wasn't always there? It was just one letter. And so we have it broken up just for simplicity, humanly speaking, so it's easy for us to find things. Could you imagine unrolling a big, huge scroll and trying to find what part you're looking for? it's hard enough to find it in the Bible already with all the chapters and verses. So it was one long letter. There was no chapter and verse. This is just to kind of help us. So understand when you were in chapter, end of chapter 12 leading into 13, it's all one thought. But notice what he says. He says this. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Notice what he says, and I will, yeah, will I show you a more excellent way. He says, I want to show you a more excellent way. And notice what this more excellent way is. And we'll see the context in a moment. But he says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, which is irritating, right? You know? He says, if I have the gift, notice this. He says, if I had the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, and he, he literally says, if I had all knowledge... Now listen to this. If I had the faith that could move mountains. Remember what Jesus said? That if you can have the faith to say to this mountain, be removed and and, and move it over there. I mean, that's some incredible faith. He said, if you had the faith that could move mountains, but you do not have love. Paul says, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess. Could you imagine giving everything you have to the poor? And you were willing to give your body over to hardship. In some version it says literally to, to, to be burnt, for your body to be burnt at the stake. He says, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Do you think that Paul was emphasizing that love is a pretty big deal in the church, that love is a pretty big deal in the life of a Christian? Would you agree that this is pretty important stuff? It really is. I want you to understand that in this book, this letter, Paul was writing to a church. And I'm just going to briefly remind you that it's a church like this church, made up of followers of Jesus Christ. In this church, it was not a perfect church. In fact, Paul even says to them earlier in the book, he says, you guys need to mature. You need to grow up. He says to them, you're you're kind of carnal. You're kind of worldly. You're kind of childish. And And he starts to address things. The church was very... pretty much a wealthy church. It was a very giving church. They gave to lots of missions and and things like that. Now, I won't go into all the details about this church, but it was not a perfect church. By the way, there is no perfect church, okay? There's possibly a perfect pastor out there somewhere. (laughs) Why are you laughing? But, you know... We know we have one here. Amen? Just saying. Amen. Yeah. Give it a year. Uh-huh. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect pastor. And Paul writes this letter, and he deals with things. Can I just be really frank? Within this church, there was, there was, it says earlier there was fighting and bickering, and there was division. And he, in chapter 3, he says you're like little children, and you fight and argue. And he says you got to get that taken care of. There was even sexual sins within the church. I believe it's in chapter 7 or sexual sins. In chapter 11, where we're going to go next week, just briefly when we have communion. But they were abusing and taking advantage of the Lord's Supper. And then they had communion. They made it into a big, huge like Jewish feast, which is what not God intended. And then there were people who would come and bring elaborate meals. And they would sit at a table and they would dine. And then there were the poor people in the church who were off to the side and they had nothing. Paul said, this is not acceptable. And he says, that's not right. And really, the kind of the crux and the one where there's a lot of stuff that happens is chapter 12 because it talks about that they had the gifts of prophecy. There were people who had different gifts, healings, all these different gifts. And here's the one, the big one that kind of almost the entire chapter goes into about speaking in tongues. And we are not going to go down that one today. Okay, but, you know, they had this idea they could speak in tongues. and That's for a whole other teaching. But here was the thing is they were very proud and arrogant and they were very much all about we're gifted. And by the way, the Corinthian church was very gifted. They had a lot of spiritual gifts. They had talents. They had abilities. But I love what Paul says. He says, you have all these gifts and you, you know, you're all about your gifts. He says, but listen, there's a more excellent way. There's something far more important. Then whether you can speak in tongues or have prophecy, he says, I don't care how much Bible you know. I mean, Paul was pretty blunt, right? He says, you can have all knowledge. You can know everything. And you can know all the mysteries. You can have all knowledge. He says, but you don't have love. Then it amounts to nothing. He says, let me teach you and show you a more excellent way. And then he comes to this chapter, chapter 13, and he says, the better way is love look at verse 13 of this chapter because he starts out and he says this he starts the chapter of this letter he starts this part of love this teaching on love with I'm going to show you the most excellent way this is the most important thing church the most important thing is love and then notice what he says at the end he says as he ends this thought on love he says and now these three things remain he says these three things remain faith Hope and what? And love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. Don't you think that this is important then? So he starts by saying, listen, I'm going to show you the most excellent way, the more excellent way. Love. Love is key. He later says in this chapter as we begin to unfold this and we break this out, but we're going to see what love really looks like. But he says this, love never fails. Love never fails is what Paul says in this letter. And then he goes on to say that there's these three things remain. These are the the, the key to the Christian life. He says, you've got to have faith, you've got to have hope, and you've got to have love. But he says, the greatest is love. Now, that's a pretty powerful statement. That when Paul says that this is the most excellent way, this is what's most necessary, most needed in the life of every follower of Jesus Christ is love. That is our foundation. That is the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith is this, that God is love. And as followers of Christ and as believers in our heavenly father, then we too should be men and women and people who are people of love. It's the foundation. He says. without faith, he says there's faith, hope and charity. But listen to what the scripture tells us here. Listen to what the, the Bible says in Hebrews. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Now, let this sink in. Listen to the words here. He says, without faith, it is, can you say the next word? Impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, follow, follow my thinking here. The Bible says, without faith, it is completely utterly impossible to please God didn 't Paul just tell us in Corinthians that these three things remain: faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is what love so let's let 's think think this through. The Bible tells us clearly, without faith it 's impossible to please God. then how much more? important is love in the life of a believer. Are you with me this morning? Somebody say amen. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, you know, faith, it's kind of like this. In the life of a Christian, faith is here. And that's really important. You can't please God without him. But God says beyond faith, there's another level. And that other level is what? Love. This is serious stuff. And Paul says love never Fails. It always works. <laughs> Have you ever bought a product that's supposed to work and you know, <laughs> guaranteed? You know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, been there, done that. This product has a guarantee. My father was a painter, and they would say, "Well, do you, is there like a guarantee in this paint job?" I said, "Absolutely, it's guaranteed till the first rainstorm." You know, he's like, there's no guarantee on anything here. Love is so important. You know, what's interesting is how many times we've prayed. This is, I mean, think this through. We'll say something like this Lord, increase my faith. Have you, have we, we probably prayed something like that? Lord, help my faith to be increased. But have we ever really thought about how much more important love is? When was the last time we said, Father, help me to love you more. Father, help me to love more. Help me to strengthen my love life. Amen. This stuff's important. Look at Matthew. Look at the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 22. Again, we're just introducing this, and I'm not going to be long today, but I want to just really... Help us to really see the importance of this topic, this subject of love, and of this chapter. Because we're going to look in the weeks to come to see what love really looks like. And can I tell you something? Love doesn't always look like what we think love should look like. And when we start to unpack, and we start to unfold, and we start to look at this, we're going to find out that love is a choice. Love is not just a feeling. That, that love is much deeper than that. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 22. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they were those religious, you know, irritating people, they said the Pharisees, they got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, an expert in, you know, the Old Testament scriptures, he tested him with this question. Here was this question. Teacher, can you picture the sarcasm here? Oh, teacher, you know, the one who's just that little sarcastic punk sitting in the classroom. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the most important? And he's thinking he's going to trick Jesus because in their mind they thought every single one was so important. You couldn't, you know. And he's going to trick them. He's going to put Jesus in a corner and he's going to make him look like an idiot. And I love what Jesus did. Jesus replied, "Will you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind? This is the first and what greatest commandment." And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He says, Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This, you can sum it up, you can hang all the law and prophets on these two commands. Isn't it sad that somehow Christianity's got to a point where Christians fight and argue and bicker over silly little things and many times silly please forgive me here silly little doctrines or preferences and you know they end up fighting and arguing and over these things and we're missing the whole really the whole foundation of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ is to love God with all of our being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. I don't know about you, but I wish in general, Christianity would just get back to the basics. Amen? Just get back to the basics. And we wonder why... The communities, And we wonder why people want nothing to do with the, what we call the church. Are you with me? Because so many times we get so distracted by everything else. And Jesus said, don't get distracted by all these other things. Love God with all that you are and all that you have. And make that a priority. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Now notice, this is Jesus. He's with his disciples. and he's, As you study, you'll see he's kind of getting ready for the upper room and getting ready to go to the cross. And this is what he tells his disciples. I like this. Do not miss this. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Now let me ask you, so far, is this a new commandment? Did the Bible already tell us that we're supposed to love one another? Yes. All right, listen to what he says. A new commandment I give you: "Love one another." here's the key words. You see it there? As I loved you." So you probably should love one another. Is that what it says? So you what? Must. must. Love is a choice. You must. It's not an option. (laughs) It's not a request. It is a command. Did you get that? God said you must love one another. Now, the rest of the verse, passage, he says this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are my followers, if you love one another. If you have this love. You see, Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. He says, this new commandment is, this is going to be a challenging command because he says, I'm telling you to love one another. And they're probably like, well, that's not new. That's, that's what we know that we're supposed to love one another. But what he says is in key here, love one another the way what I love you. Now that takes it to a whole other level. I want you to understand that there's some different words for love in the Bible. Now, we just kind of have, for us in the English language, our English language is pretty basic. When we say love, that can cover a lot of things. Are you with me? For example, I love ice cream, which I really do. I love ice cream. I love ice cream. All right? But I'm not going to... Well, I'm not going to die for ice cream. (laughs) Right? That's not something, you know, that's a totally different thing. Depending on what you look, in the Bible, in the Greek language, and I don't want to, I'm only going to take a few moments. I just want to really emphasize, in the Bible, there's different words for love. And in the Greek language, it was different. For example, let me just give you a few They say there's, a lot of people say there's three, some people say eight, some people say nine. I'm not going to get into all of those. But I'd say there's probably about three or four that are the most commonly used in the Bible. There's one in the Greek language, eros or eros. It's where we get the word erotic. Okay, so what kind of love do you think that is? That's basically a sexual erotic lust. Lust. I'm not trying to be mean here. Can I just be honest and straight? It's kind of like this. You take a teenage guy and I sit on buses with teenage guys all the time. I go to tournaments with teenage guys and they look over and they see this attractive, hot babe and they go, oh, I'm in love with her. Okay, let me tell you, they're not in love with her. They're in lust with her. Okay, that's just straight up honest. That's erotic. Come on now. Right. It's just the truth. So, when they say I'm in love with her, I'm like, oh, really? You're in love with her? Well, what's her name? I have no clue, but I want to you know. And then they'll be like, I'm like, well, what's her favorite color? I don't know what food she's like. I don't know, but I love her. I'm like, how do you know she's not the biggest, just like obnoxious? selfish. I don't know, but I'm, I'm like, you're, you're in lust with her. Come on, right? So that's erotic. That's one term. There's like one that's called phileo. Phileo. It's where we get this, the name Philadelphia. It means like brotherly love. Just kind of like, you know, hey, you know, like this whole, yo, we're bros, you know, that type of thing. Phileo. Some would say it also means to be fond of. And so maybe, for example, you'll say, I I love ice cream. It means I'm fond of ice cream. I love it. But it's not something I'm going to die for. You know what I mean? There's a philea. There's one that's S-T-O-R-G-E, which is basically a family love, like what a parent, a love that a parent should have for a child, a child should have for a parent. It's more that familia or family love, a family love. And then the other one that's used, and it's the one that's here, is more of what's called an agape love, which a lot of you've heard of, which basically in essence means this. It's this deep, abounding, sacrificial love. And when the Bible says that we're to love one another the way that that Christ loved us, it is a sacrificial, it is is not a self-serving love, it is a love that is sacrificial. It's an unconditional love, which makes it unique, which makes it special. And so Jesus is saying this. He says this new commandment is that you love the way that I loved you and he's about to go to the cross and demonstrate the type of love that he has for us and that it was a sacrificial love it was an unconditional love cuz think about it when he tells them i'm i love you and i'm going to the cross and i'm going to die for you what do his disciples do when 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 he's there in the garden they forsake him they betray him they curse his name peter denies the lord and yet jesus doesn't say okay forget you guys you just left me high and dry. Oh, really, Peter? You're going to sit there and deny me? Forget it. I'm not going to go die for you. Aren't you glad he didn't do that? Oh, really? That's the way you're going to treat my love? Oh, really? <laughs> Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that? Aren't you glad Jesus saying, "Well, well"? I can't believe, I just told you I'm going to go die for you. I can't believe you're going to do me like that. I can't believe you're going to throw me under the bus like that. You're going to just all just forsake me, run. You're going to curse my name. But Jesus still went to the cross. Because love is a choice. It was an agape love. It was a sacrificial love. Don't miss this, an unconditional love that he had. One last passage in First John, I'm sorry, yeah, John, 1 John chapter 4. Notice John here. John, and then in 1 John, he's, he's the one who speaks the most about this love. Isn't it interesting because he was called what? John, the disciple that Jesus loved. John got it. Out of all the disciples, who was the one at the foot of the cross, risking his life? Standing at the foot of the cross with the mother of Jesus. Who was it? John. Boy, there's so much here. When they're all in the upper room with Jesus and they're eating. And next week we're going to have communion. And Jesus is in the upper room. And as Jesus is the breaking of bread. The Bible says that there was one whom Jesus loved, John. Who is literally laying like on like the shoulder of Christ. John heard the very heartbeat of God himself. You read 1 John, you read the book of John. He's the one who speaks the most about the importance of love. It's because John was the disciple whom Jesus loved because John got it. John is all about the importance of love. And listen to what he says in 1 John 4. We don't have time to read all of it. There is a powerful whole chapter. I'll just kind of skip through. They'll help us with it. But listen to what he says. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Now, what kind of love is he talking about here? What type of love? This agape love, unconditional love. He says, Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. This is how God showed. I love this. He demonstrated his love among us. How did he do it? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Listen to me. Love is a choice, but love also is is demonstrated. Love is action. When we go through this chapter of Corinthians 13, you're going to find out that love is action. It's not just words that we say. Talk can be very cheap. Correct? Aren't you thankful that God didn't just tell us he loves us, but he demonstrated his love? So what does he do? He says, this love, this is love, not that we loved God, But he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, because of that love that he demonstrated to us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. We have His Holy Spirit. Go to the next uh, uh, passage. Look at verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave us one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this love was demonstrated. God loved us. He demonstrated this love. It was action. And then a little bit later in, in 1 John In verses uh, 19, it says this, we love because he first loved us. Isn't it interesting? God chose to love us because he first loved us and demonstrated that love. If you will, he wooed us to him. Does that make sense? I love God because he first loved me and he demonstrated that love. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. That's strong words. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Notice this, given us this command. This is not a request. Okay, This is not an option. This is the command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And then chapter 5, verse 1, if we have it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Amen? But if you're born of God, everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You cannot say that you love God, but have hatred in your heart for your brother. Amen? Boy, there's so much you could go into here. But is it not sad that many a times. Even in the history of Christianity and church. That we have failed this. It has not been that long ago. Even in this country and in America. And by the way we have to be cautious and careful here. We have to be honest. But there was a time where because a person's color of their skin. They were not loved and treated as equal. Are you with me? And that is a sin against God. To say that a follower of Christ and a believer is greater than someone else and to be not treated the same as we would want to be treated. To say that someone could not drink from a certain fountain or could not sit at a certain place or could not... Uh, come to the front but have to go to the back or have to sit in the back of the bus God help us but may I say that was a sin that is a sin against God may I even go one step farther but even to say that if someone doesn't believe the way that we believe that we are to treat them differently God help us that is not of God you see this is where it gets really real because when we unpack this and we get into Corinthians 13, we're going to start to look what love really looks like. And he says a lot of things. Example, it's kind. But he says sometimes it means that you're going to have to take one on the chin for the team, so to speak. You know, we're going to look at what love really looks like. And I, as I said, as I started this this morning, love does not always look like what he thinks it looks like. By the way, sometimes love is sometimes has to speak truth. Sometimes love has to hold someone accountable. Because if we love them, then we're going to speak the truth to them. Jesus walked in grace, but also in truth. And so, the idea is this many times we think that love is just warm fuzzies. Oh, I got warm fuzzies. But when love, the way that God intended us as followers of Christ, is demonstrated and used in our lives, he says, love will never fail. That's pretty awesome. Love never fails. And so, what are the two great commands? What? Love God with all that you have all of your being, amen, love him. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. And how did he love us? He demonstrated that love. Love is action. Love was a choice. He chose to be that atoning sacrifice for us. Aren't you thankful for that great love? And so he demonstrated what love is. He says, and then I want you to love one another the way that I loved you. That's sacrificial love. That's unconditional love. And he says, if you do these things, he says, then all men will know that you are my followers. And he says, love will never fail. Love does not always look like what we think love looks like. Love is not always what we think love is. It's, a, it's not just an attraction it's not just a fondness and what's really sad is this is that our our western culture and our world has lost what really love is we don't even know what love really is that's why this series is so important it really is because most people have no clue what love really looks like we think that love is well uh, you know it's what can i get out of this relationship but if you study and we look at this love is not what can i get from it it's what can i give And how many times, and I'm not trying to be hurtful here, but how many times you'll talk with someone as a pastor and you'll counsel with someone over the years and they'll say, well, we just, we're just, we don't love each other anymore. We just fell out of love. And how sad that is. How sad that is. But the problem is. The reason why so many people are falling out of love is they didn't even really know what love really was in the first place and what love looks like. But I can say this, is that the love we're talking about can only come from God. Because he says, once you truly know God, then you'll have his spirit. And with his spirit, you'll then be able to love God. The way that God wants us to love. You know why this world is so void of love? It's because our world is becoming more and more void of God. And God is love. So don't be shocked when it seems as though there's so little love left here on planet earth. The reason why there's so little love left is because we're taking God out of everything. And God is love. And when you remove God who is love, then you can mark it down... People don't even know what love looks like. And now, just frankly, it's just pretty pathetic. It's pretty trashy. But a lot of people think love is looking at porn. Come on now. It's a lustful thing. They think love is, what can I get out of this relationship? Love is nothing more than, what do you have to offer me? Are you with me this morning? Young people have no clue what love is. They really don't. A lot of marriages have no clue what love really looks like. And so they say, well, I just don't I just don't feel like I'm in love with him anymore. I've fallen out of love. Love is a what? choice. Some of you might be like, I'm not coming back for the rest of the series. (laughs) This is going to be heavy. It is. It's going to be good. Amen? Amen. It's going to be good. So, love God. Love one another the way that he loved us. Stand together. All God's people said this morning, it's going to